Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Welcome to the Daily Dive Weekend Edition. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and every week I explore the top stories making waves in the news and some that are just plain interesting. I'll connect you with the journalists and the people who know the story and bring you news without the noise so you can make an informed decision. You can catch a new episode of The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday, and it's ready when you wake up. On the weekend edition, I'll be bringing you some of the best stories from the week. Checking in on the housing market. Another factor that could be keeping the housing supply limited for some time is that homeowners are reluctant to sell their homes now that mortgage rates are so much higher. To sell your house and then buy into another loan with a rate nearly double what many have been locked into just doesn't make sense. Instead, many are choosing to list their homes for rent. For more on all this, we'll speak to Nicole Friedman, U.S. housing reporter at The Wall Street Journal. In 2020, 2021, and the beginning of this year, mortgage rates really fell to the lowest they've ever been. And so millions of homeowners, you know, either bought homes at those low rates or they refinanced at the very low rates. And so the latest data we have, which is from a company called Black Knight, shows that almost 90% of mortgages out there have an interest rate below 5% and more than two thirds of mortgages have a rate below 4%. So right now, interest rates for mortgages are above 6%. And so for somebody who has a rate at say 3, even 2.5%, the idea of selling their home and moving into a new home when they would have to take out a new mortgage at 6%, maybe even higher, that's a lot of (laughs) additional money to be spending on interest. And so it's really making a lot of current homeowners think twice about, do I really want to sell my house? Maybe I'll just stay put. Right. One of the economists you spoke to called it the golden handcuffs of mortgage rates. And it, it's so fitting, right? I mean, it's like, why would I leave this low rate right now? And you spoke to a number of people who maybe their um, the price of their home, the, the value of their home has increased and uh, they can sell it, make a profit. But then again, when you're going to get into a new home now and you have to borrow, uh, you're going to lose all those profits just in the interest payments. Right, exactly. And a lot of people are looking around saying, what are we going to do? You know, people maybe have a home that's not the right fit for them anymore. They had an additional kid or their kids moved out and they need more space or less space. And people, you know, in the normal course of things would want to move, would want a home that better fits them. But they're saying, not only am I going to have to pay more for a new home because home prices have increased, but also I'm going to be paying a much higher mortgage rate. And so comparing my monthly payments today to what my monthly payment would be if I bought that new house at a higher price and a higher mortgage rate, it's just too big of a difference to swallow. 
Yeah, there's a few surveys going around too. So, uh, you know, homeowners are just saying they feel locked into their current homes because of rising rates. Other people are still saving for homes. You know, they, they want to buy something, but they're also just kind of in this wait and see mode. They want to get those interest rates back to a lower level so that they can kind of jump into the market again. Right, exactly. And so right now, you know, the housing market is kind of just frozen because the mortgage rates have climbed so quickly that there's just a lot of uncertainty about where it's going. So buyers are saying, maybe it's not the right time. You know, maybe if I wait, home prices will fall. Maybe mortgage rates will fall. Like, maybe I'll just wait this out and see. And then sellers, on the other hand, you know, they're in this conundrum where they have this really good rate. They don't necessarily want to give it up. So they're also kind of, well, maybe we'll just wait and see. And so in terms of figuring out where the housing market is going to go, you know, you have these different forces that demand has fallen because of the higher mortgage rates. There's fewer buyers out there. But if homeowners, you know, continue to not want to sell and they decide to stay put, that's going to keep the supply lower than normal, too. And so that could kind of provide a floor to the housing market in terms of preventing prices from falling or falling very far because the inventory would just be lower than usual. The flip side to this, and this is coming from another article you wrote for the journal as well, is that the rental market. So a lot of these home sellers are kind of discouraged about what's going on, the rising interest rates, the slowing housing market. And they're saying, well, maybe I can get into the home rental market. So a lot of them are not putting their uh, house on the market to sell, they're uh, willing to lease them out now. And in some cases, because the rents are rising so high right now, they're really able to offset those costs. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the advantages of having these really low mortgage rates that homeowners have locked in is that often they can rent their house out right now with the very strong rental market for more than their own cost because their mortgage costs might be pretty low. And so, yes, we are definitely seeing an increase in homeowners who want to move and then instead of selling their former home, they're keeping it and renting it out as a rental property instead. And so either of these decisions, you know, deciding to move and rent out your former home or deciding not to move and just stay put, both of those just contribute to fewer houses for sale, fewer homes being listed on the market. Yeah. And uh, you had some numbers in the article in Southern California, 10% of home sellers switched their listings from for sale to for rent due to the higher mortgage rates. 9% of home sellers in Texas did so. But There are a lot of risks associated with renting, you know, if you're going to be the landlord of a place and, uh, you know, maybe you're just trying to sell the house, right? And you say, okay, well, I'll be a landlord. I'll rent it out. There's, there are risks there that people should be aware of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, being a landlord can be a lot of work. There can be unexpected repairs. There can be, you know, issues with tenants, disputes. And so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, all of these people that maybe got into becoming landlords in the past couple of years because the rental market has been very strong. We'll see how many of them stick it out versus (laughs) saying, you know, I didn't want to sell. So I decided to rent my house out for a year, but it was too much hassle, too much work. I'm just going to sell after all. Yeah. Who loves it? Who hates it? And and yeah, in the the article, you had a, an example. They, the couple moved from uh, California to Dallas. So you know, now they're a landlord for a house in another state. So yeah, it can get complicated pretty quickly. Nicole Friedman, U.S. housing reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Amid droughts, water shortages, and increased efforts to conserve water, low flow showers are getting more attention. As more states pass laws restricting showerhead flow, Bath companies are working hard to highlight the technology in their fixtures that make it feel like you're getting more with less water. 
For example, adding air to water droplets can make a big improvement, but there's a lot of science that goes into it. For more on what to know, speak to James Tarmy, reporter at Bloomberg News. It's pretty interesting because, in a sense, if they've done their job right, you won't know about it. Uh, you, you won't know that you're using anything that uses less water than you were using before. And as I say in my article, really the pioneer for this has been California, simply because California has had water issues for a really long time, 50 years at this point. And as California continued to set stricter and stricter water flow standards, companies had to basically try to meet them in creative ways. And so they invested a huge amount of their own money into R&D and came up with a couple of different pretty standard ways to make it feel like you're standing underneath the waterfall, even if you're, in fact, just getting a trickle. And the real trick of this is that the baseline that they created is soon going to become the standard I argue, for the rest of the country. So it's, it's pretty useful to know what it is that you're buying and, and what it is that other people are using um, yeah. as, as states around the country. And in fact, other countries around the world begin to reconsider the ways in which they legislate water usage. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you mentioned how California has kind of been the pioneer of this, but Hawaii and Washington in 2019 passed similar laws restricting the showerhead flow to match California. Massachusetts, Utah also taking similar legislation under consideration and passing some of that stuff. So pretty soon, right? I mean, all of this stuff will be the standard, so you'll be getting it. And so let's talk a little bit about some of this new technology that they're doing on this. Uh, a lot of it has to do with aerating the water, making, uh, mm-hmm. putting air into the water droplets, fixing the spread of the water. As you mentioned, their their whole goal is to make it feel like uh, you're not doing anything or you know, there is no change. But what are the some of the technologies they're working on? Yeah, so every company has uh, what it says is, is its own proprietary technology, but they really do boil down to... And that wasn't a water pun, or at least it wasn't <laughs> intended to be. Uh, but they, they, they boil down to two kind of basic concepts. One is how they distribute the water. And the second is kind of how large the droplet size actually can get. And so think about what a showerhead actually is, right? It's, it's just a thing at the end of a pipe. So what they're working with is actually pretty limited. And what they've basically had to do is try to figure out ways in which to increase pressure in a very, very tight amount of space in between the pipe and the wall and the water coming out of the nozzles. And so really what that that means is they have tried to very, very carefully rejigger the number of holes in an actual nozzle. So when you look up at your showerhead, if you can count whatever it is, 30, 20, 10 nozzles, that's not actually all there is. Inside of each nozzle, in some cases, companies have have put three, five, even more holes. And what that does is it creates a sort of like coating spray as opposed to like a sort of linear flow. That's one way. The other way is really pretty easy to to describe because it's just mixing air and water and the droplet sizes get larger. And so it's much easier to feel like you're being coated in the shower. And the aeration technology is certainly not new. Um, As I say in my piece, one of the easiest ways to figure out if water has been aerated is to put it in a clear cup. And if it's sort of milky white, that's just the air mixing with water, which is also helpful if you're ever at a corporate water fountain and uh, 
fill, fill up your cup and think, oh my God, there's a problem with the water. It's not. It's that's that's literally air. But to your point, right? Some of this stuff seems simple, but there's a lot of science that goes behind it because nobody, you know, water pressure is so important, especially when you're taking a shower. You want to make sure you fe- it feels like the shampoo's coming out of your hair and and all that, you know. So the water pressure is an important thing, and you know everybody loves a nice forceful shower. But to the well, point so- of all of this, right? The water consumption has plummeted because of a lot of the, uh, this stuff. You know, you made mention of, about California in the 90s. Per capita, people in the state were using 231 gallons, and 30 years later, it fell 61% to about 91 gallons a day. So, you know, these new technologies are helping and working. Yeah, you know, you hit on a really excellent point, which is the showerheads don't in some way immerse the user they'll just end up taking a longer shower, right? So it's not just that low flow has to restrict water. It actually has to do the job of more water because otherwise there won't actually be water reduction. People just waste more time. And so the proof is really in the pudding here because water reduction is absolutely down per capita in a lot of different places, not just California. But also people continue to buy low flow shower heads, meaning that if they're buying a new hat, well, in California, you're actually mandated to, uh, if you replace your shower head, to replace it with low flow one. But elsewhere in the country, people choose, actively choose low flow shower heads over two and a half gallon uh, shower heads, uh, two and a half gallon per minute shower heads, because it works just as easily and it works just as well. So in a certain respect, the companies themselves want people to enjoy these things and want, they want them to be functional because they want people to buy them. And, and right. then on a municipal and state level, people want these things to work because obviously there's a just catastrophic drought yeah. across a ton of the United States. And, you know, when we look at some of the costs, right, uh, some can range as much as 200 bucks to uh, 1200 bucks in some of these cases or a little bit more for some of these shower heads. So just keep an eye out for all of that. James Tarmy, reporter at Bloomberg News. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Finally for this week, the holiday shopping season will quickly be upon us, and the places where kids are going to discover the toys that they want are YouTube and TikTok. 
The season's hot toys are closely tied to apps, video games, and influencers, and advertising for these products is shifting from TV to social media. For more on where to find out where the hot holiday toys are, we'll speak to Jennifer Kingston, chief correspondent at Axios. That is absolutely where the toys are. Kids are going on TikTok, they're going on YouTube, and that's the place they're discovering the toys that they're begging their parents for this fall. There's been a really pronounced and dramatic cultural shift, Oscar, in where kids discover the toys they want, where they see them played with, where they go to to consume their media. When I was young and when my children were young, we we watched Saturday morning cartoons and the TV commercials that were on then were the toys that we wanted. Now some of the toys are the same. It's just where kids discover them that's different. They still want the Barbie dream house and the Squishmallows and Aspirograph, but they're learning about them through TikTok or YouTube rather than through a toy catalog that came in the newspaper or a TV show. Right. And recently there was a holiday toy preview event in New York City. And a lot of the people there that were there presenting, you know, whatever they think is going to be blowing up for the season and all that were really open about how they've shifted a lot of that marketing from TV to influencer campaigns. I think one of them said last year I used only influencers, this year only influencers again. And so that's kind of the trajectory of of the marketing, of the advertising. It was really pronounced to me. I'm someone who's covered the toy industry for a long time. I absolutely love toys, and I go to this summer preview for the holiday every year when I can. I've noticed for a couple of years now the rise of apps that are tied to toys. So a lot of toys come with with an app tie-in that bridges the digital and the physical. You buy a doll and it's got a code that you get online to unlock something new in your Roblox video games or for your Nintendo Switch. This year, for the first time, I felt there was a real tipping point towards influencers and social media stars. Kids used to want to be pop stars, rock music band members. (laughs) Now they all want to be an influencer. In the article, you wrote a kind of a, a small case study. There's a shape puzzle toy called Canoodle. And this thing is 16 years old, but it just had this big revival on TikTok from a, a math teacher, I guess, who really just started uh, playing around with the toy a little bit, started posting videos of the game and all that. And it's kind of took on a life of its own. That's right. And the company that makes it was blindsided. It's a toy called Canoodle. It's 16 years old. It's a sort of shape-fitting puzzle. It looks like a Tetris come alive where you have to sort different puzzle pieces into a, a box. And a, uh, a math teacher who calls herself Miss Arlene and goes by the green name Silent Math started using a hashtag called Canoodle Challenge. She thought it was a great way for uh, young people to learn uh, to do solve math problems. She started doing lots of videos. They caught on. Who knew that on, on a format like that, even a math teacher could go viral and become an influencer? But it sparked a huge sale in the Canoodle puzzle to the extent that Miss Arlene's idea of different ways to create a pyramid out of the out of the puzzle pieces inspired the company to come out with a product that's launching next year called Canoodle Pyramid. It's a real example of uh, viral social media influencing the toy business. Now, this is, I mean, this is always funny to me only because, uh, you know, right, as you mentioned earlier, right, when we were kids, we'd look at Saturday morning cartoons and that's where we get the ideas. You know, parents aren't usually watching those cartoons. Parents aren't usually on the social media platforms in the exact same way as their kids are. So, you know, they're always kind of blindsided. They always need to be told, hey, uh, you know, from their kids, this is what I want. This is what's hot right now. But one good thing in all of this is that we are seeing a lot of products with STEM tie-ins and uh, another emerging category that's catering to kids' uh, emotional well-being, things like that. 
That was really striking to me, too. And another thing that I haven't seen in my previous visits to events like this, where uh, coming out of the pandemic, toy makers are being really conscious of the emotional well-being of young people. One of the quote-unquote hot toys was a journal where you uh, record your feelings and you draw a picture of yourself. Here's how I look when I feel lonely. Here's how I look when I want some company. There were dolls with sensory features built into their clothing or their uh, fairy doll wings. So a a child who uh, needed some comfort or had sensory issues could crinkle the skirt or feel the softness of the doll's hair to uh, have some comfort while playing with friends or going throughout his or her day. It was an interesting development that seemed to dovetail with all we've been hearing about the needs that children have these days for strength and well-being. It's going to be an interesting holiday shopping season. Obviously, we're going through this period of very high inflation. It's affecting everybody. And, you know, a lot of families need to cut back in, in a lot of different ways. And, you know, sometimes the toys have to take a back seat to things like this. But still, we've seen Amazon, Target, and Walmart beef up their toy departments. Toys R Us is back in Macy's stores. So these uh, toy manufacturers, it, the industry is still pushing really hard. The bad news is that you're right. Toys are going to be more expensive this year. Inflation has hit the toy industry like everything else. But the good news is that toy sales are really robust and parents will find a lot of inventory, a lot of things that their kids want. It's expected not only the return of Toys R Us and Macy's, but also Amazon Prime Day, which we just discovered is going to be October 11th and 12th. There are going to be a lot of deals on toys. So that may be the time to start looking. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye out. We'll uh, keep an eye out on TikTok, especially, and YouTube to see uh, what the hot toys are this holiday season. Jennifer Kingston, Chief Correspondent at Axios, thank you very much for joining us. I'm getting you the Addison Rae fashion doll. She's the top influencer. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye. That's it for this weekend. Be sure to check out The Daily Dive every Monday through Friday. Join us on social media, at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter, and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive has been engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive Weekend Edition. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today.